normally teaching on love, the law of liberty. I guess you can call this part three. Love, the law of li liberty. We call it part three. Let's pray and then we'll get into our time in the word. Father, we just thank you again for this time to uh, come before your people, to minister your words. Your words contain the power of life to empower us. Uh, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will teach us and navigate us and uh, illuminate us and bring revelation to our minds and to our hearts and transformation to our lives so that we can live the God lifestyle that Jesus died for us to live. We thank in advance for all you're going to teach us today as we focus in on your word during this time. Thank you for our apostle, our first family, continue to bless them, uh, continue to prosper them in every area and bless everyone here today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Again, uh, we're going to be teaching on the love, love, the law of liberty. We call it part three. Love, the law of liberty. And we talk about this word agape. Uh, this word agape is, uh, is a special revelation uh, that means to wish well, uh, to regard the welfare of. It's love that's in a social or moral sense. I like this. I like to think of the... Um, Example, when the angels came, when Jesus uh, was being born, they said, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So I think this is a good expression of what, of what this agape love means. It's, it's goodwill, good intentions toward men or toward mankind or toward humanity. So that's what this agape love is. It's a moral kind of love. It's a social love that uh, its intention is for goodwill. And we'll see that as we review some of the passages. The first point I want to just remind us of is that we've been given uh, an abundance of love through the Holy Spirit. And it says from Romans 5 and verse 5 in the Amplified Bible, uh, as a review, it says, such hope in God's promises never disappoints us. Why? Because God's love. So we're talking about God's love, the God kind of love, the agape love, the God kind of love, because God's love, and Amplified says, has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So hallelujah. So this love has been poured out in our hearts. And well, we said that uh, we read that in a continual tense, the Holy Spirit continues to flood our hearts with love. So as we pour our love, Holy Spirit is replenishing that love. And, and also God loves us abundantly. God loves us continually. He continues to pour out his love. So can we thank God for his love that he continues to pour out upon us day by day, moment by moment. Hallelujah. Thank God for his love. And that love that he has toward us is the same love that he's deposited on the inside of us. It says to Romans 5 and 5, because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now go with me to Exodus chapter 20. And uh, verse 3 in Amplified, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3. Uh, the point we brought out here was that Father God, who is the one who originated and who emanates love, is to be the first recipient of love. So this God who originated and who emanates love, love flows through him. We said love flows like through his pores. He's to be the first recipient of love. And so here in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 and Amplified, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. And Amplified, then it goes on to verse 4. You shall not make for yourself any idol or any likeness, form or manifestation 
of what is in heaven above or in earth beneath or in the water under the earth as an object of worship. Verse five, you shall not worship them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous, impassioned God, demanding what is rightfully and uniquely mine, visiting, avenging the iniquity, sin, guilt of the fathers on the children, that is calling the children to account for the sins of their father to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, those who hate them. But then in verse six, it says, but showing graciousness and steadfast loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And we'll talk about that love and keep his commandments. Apostle talked about it a couple of Sundays ago. If you love me, keep my commandments. But he says he'll show the love. And so uh, again, he's the first recipient of love. He's the, the originator of love. He's the origin of love. And so love is the first go to him. He said, don't have any other gods before him. And so I emphasize that it's important to study loving God to study loving God and to exercise loving God first uh, before entering any other relationship, whether it's marriage or dating, uh, any relationship. He's the first, he's the foundation. He's the, he's the key person or the key uh, entity that we are to love first. He's in the number one position. So working, working on our love relationship with him. And as we develop that, uh, that recognition, that helps us in our love toward other people. Hallelujah. And if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, uh, it says here that the, uh, uh, the point I want to bring out here is that the method to loving God is with our entire being. The method to loving God is with our entire being. So here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, uh, it says, and this is for me, Pastor, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. He's the only God. And you shall, verse 5 says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and all your soul and with all your strength, your entire being. So we're to, we're to love him with everything that we have. And so the method, the, the way we love God is with our entire being. Uh, we like the way that the Bible says it in verse five. It says, you should love him, your true God, with all your heart and soul, with every ounce of your strength. So that's how we're to love him. And we wanted to bring out, we brought out that we can obey and submit to him better when we have a love for God. We can obey or submit to him better when we have that love for God. So that love is the foundation for our obedience. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's, let's go further. Uh, go with me now to Leviticus chapter 19. Just kind of reviewing Leviticus chapter 19 and uh, verse 14, the Amplified Bible. Leviticus 19 and verse 14, the Amplified Bible. And the point we brought out here was that uh, on the basis of our love for God, we must treat our neighbor with God's love. Again, on the basis of our love for God, that is how we must treat our neighbor. Uh, in other words, we treat our neighbor with a God kind of love. So here in Leviticus 19 and verse starting in verse 14, Amplified Bible, uh, it gives us these commands. It says, you should not curse a deaf man nor put a stumbling block before the blind, 
but you shall fear your God with profound reverence. I am the Lord. So again, don't curse a deaf man. Don't put a stumbling block uh, in front of the blind. Uh, he says, I am the Lord your God. So again, on the basis of our love for God, that is how we are to treat or how we're to handle or, or manage or, or, or serve our neighbor. It goes on in verse 15. You should not do injustice and in judgment. You should not be partial to the poor, nor show a pre preference for the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Verse 16, you should not go around as a gossip among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor with slander or false testimony. Again, he says, I am the Lord. So on that foundation of our, of our love for God, that is how we are to treat our neighbor. And then he goes on in verse 17, you should not hate your brother in your heart. And remember, Jesus said, if you have that hatred in your heart, it's equivalent to, to murder in the New Testament. So verse 17, you should not hate your brother in your heart. You must, you may most certainly rebuke your neighbor, but you shall not incur sin because of him. And then verse 18, and you shall not take revenge nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall, here it is, you shall love your neighbor, your acquaintance, your associate, your companion as yourself. And again, he says, I am the Lord. And so again, uh, on the foundation of our love for God, that is how we are to treat or to manage our neighbor. So our, our love for God and our love toward our neighbor is, is a stewardship or a management lifestyle of our love to God. And so uh, our, our, our stewardship is being evaluated on how we treat our neighbor. Our humanity stewardship, our Management of humanity uh, is based on how we love, express our love toward our neighbor, how we treat our neighbor. And, and the foundation of that is on the basis of our love for God. If we say we really love God, then out of that, we're to pour out uh, kindness toward our neighbor. And, and all these things that said, don't curse the deaf man, don't put stumbling block, don't, don't uh, do injustice, don't uh, hate in your heart. All those things are, are, are how we treat our neighbor because of our love toward God, hallelujah. And then if we go down at verse uh, 33, in the same uh, chapter of Leviticus 19, uh, verse 33, uh, a sub point with this is that our motivation is to treat those around us the way we want to be treated, the way we want to be served, if you will. We treat those around us the way we want to be treated. So here in, in Leviticus uh, chapter 19, and uh, verse 33, it says, when a stranger resides with you uh, in your land, you shall not oppress or mistreat him. So we have to treat them with kindness, treat them with God kind of love, treat them with agape love. And then verse 34 says, but the stranger who resides with you shall be to you like someone native born. So a relative, so the, 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 uh, the, the fellowship of humanity the uh, kinship of humanity. So treat that stranger like someone native born among you and you shall love him as you love yourself for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. And he goes on to say, I'm the Lord your God. So as you wanted to be treated when you were in, a, in a, the land of Egypt, that is how you're to treat the strangers who reside with you, treat them as those who are native born. So uh, again, 
Uh, the point I want to bring out here is that our motivation is to treat those around us the way we want to be treated. And then also that treatment toward others glorifies and honors God because we're treating humanity, other children of God, other members of the human family, uh, the way God uh, designs them to be treated and the way he treats them. So we want to love them as we love ourselves. We want to treat them the same way we want to be treated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, another point I want to remind you of, if you go to, with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10 and uh, verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12, we'll look at this and amplify it. Uh, the point I want to bring out here is that the Father's love, the Father's love commands are for our good or for our benefit. So the Father's love commands are for our good or for our benefit. This is the passage Apostle uh, referenced a couple of weeks ago. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and amplified in verse 12, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear and worship the Lord your God with awe filled reverence and profound respect, to walk, that is, to live each and every day in all of his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your choices, your thoughts, and your whole being, verse 13, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. And so that's one question. This is for your good. And so the Father's love command are for our good. They're, they're to benefit us. They're for our, our, our well-being. So when we walk in love, um, you, we, we may think of it in the natural that it's to our disadvantage, but it's actually to our advantage. It is for our good. And uh, another point here is that the Father is repeatedly looking for love devotions. You see these different passages about love. He's looking for, for heart devotion, not just going through the motions, but, but actually from the heart, from a profound sense of love from our heart, as I said earlier, having goodwill toward men, loving others, uh, and treating uh, those the way we want to be treated. This is what the Lord requires of us, and it's for our good, it's for our benefit, it's for our health uh, that we that we do this. That's another a reminder. Uh, if you go with me to First Kings chapter eleven, First Kings chapter eleven, and we're going to look at verse one. First Kings chapter eleven and amplified in verse one. Uh, the point I brought out here was that one of the major commands repeated in God's word is to love God. And why is that? Because so many things and thoughts uh, attack our love connection with Father God, as well as our love toward one another. So again, one of the one of the major, one of the one of the big commands repeated in God's word is to love God. Why is this important? Because there are so many things. So many thoughts, um, so many actions, so many concerns that will attack or invade our love toward Father God, as well as our love toward one another. And here uh, in 1 Kings chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Now King Solomon defiantly loved many foreign women, along with the daughters of Pharaoh, uh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. Verse 2, from the very nations of whom the Lord said to the uh, Israelites, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you. 
for the result would be that they will turn away your hearts to follow their God. And it goes on to say, yet Solomon clung to these in love. And verse three goes on to say, he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away from God. So again, we said that in Solomon's case, it was these relationships that turned his heart away from God. And so it's important, as we said earlier, God said, I'll have no other, you have no other gods before me. No other gods are before him. He should be number one. And so there are all these things that will come against us. In Solomon's case, uh, it was other women. It can be work. Uh, it can be pleasures. Uh, it could be uh, other indulgences. Uh, it could be uh, the phone. As people talk about that, you know, putting time on the phone and Facebook and social media. All these kinds of things can turn our heart away from God and, and, and reduce him from the top position, from the number one position that he's supposed to be in. And I reminded you, I remember um, Dr. Leroy Jr. said, uh, in essence, to uh, his wife, he said, uh, God is first and then you're second. Uh, he, he made a commitment that in order for me to love my wife well, I've got to put God in first place and keep him in the top position, number one position. So again, out of our love for God, that foundation is the key to loving humanity. Hallelujah. So always putting God first and work on our love relationship with him. Because there's so many things that will try to invade our love and try to attack our love. And we've got to uh, be steadfast and keep uh, a, a love devotion to God and keep a strong position and take a strong stance that I love God with all of my heart. Everything, with every ounce of my being, as it said in the voice about Bible, everything that's within me, I love God. And out of that love, that foundation, then I can be steadfast in my love toward humanity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now it goes with me to James chapter 2, and this is kind of where we got the, the, the title, uh, Love, the, the Law of Liberty. Uh, James chapter 2, and first look at verse 8 in the Amplified. James chapter 2 and verse 8. The point I want to bring out here is that we are commanded to fulfill the royal law of love. We're going to see that first here. We are commanded to fulfill the royal law of love. So here in James chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, If, however, you are really fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, if you have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit, the apostle James says, you are doing well. So again, he says here, if you are really fulfilling, notice here, the royal law, and this royal law according to the scripture, is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, if you have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit, you're doing well. And this goes against the norm. So many people in the, in the world are, are, are self-centered and thinking about the three, me, myself, and I, thinking about themselves, not having an unselfish uh, concern for others, like we saw the angels goodwill toward men. Uh, the many that don't care uh, toward, uh, have a, a love, agape love toward others. And so here he says, if you're, you're fulfilling the royal law, if you do this, and then verse nine says, but if you show partiality, prejudice, and this was talking about uh, a lot of people today uh, and Christians should overcome prejudice. 
But if you're showing partiality, prejudice, favoritism, it says you are committing sin and you are convicted by the law as offenders. So the love of God, as we said earlier, is, is in our hearts, it's shared abroad in our hearts. And that, that love, that agape love, which is not based on feelings, this is a, a love in a moral sense and in a social sense. And it's a love that's about well-being, about all being well. And so out of that love, we walk, we walk in that love and we treat neighbors the way we want to be treated. And then if we're doing that, then we're, we're, we'll not be convicted as offenders, as it says here. But in verse 10, it says, for whoever keeps the whole law, but stumbles in one point, has become guilty of breaking all of it. And in verse 11, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have become guilty of transgressing the entire law. So if we have hatred, if we have favoritism, if we have prejudice, um, and we're not working toward it with the help of the Holy Spirit who's, who continues to replenish that love on the inside of us, then it says we become guilty of transgressing the whole law. So that's the weightiness of this. And that's the, uh, the power of and the intent of walking in the God kind of love so that we're not guilty of breaking the laws of God and in, and in fact, breaking God's heart. And then again here, it says uh, this royal law back in verse eight, fulfill the royal law. <clears throat> and so the royal, royal law is the king of the laws. And so when we're talking about the royal law, we're talking about the law of love is the king of all the laws. And I believe in the Old Testament, there's around 600 or so laws. And then Jesus reduced it and it's reduced to loving God and loving your neighbor. And so this royal law is the king of all the laws. If we follow the law of love, again, we won't kill, we won't murder, we won't steal, we won't commit adultery, all those things, because we are allowing the royal law of love to dominate our lives, glory to God, hallelujah. We want God's law of love to be the king, to be the chief of our, of our lives, glory to God. Now, uh, go with me down in, in verse 12 of James chapter two, verse 12. And the point I wanna bring out here, this is where I got the point about the, the, love, the law of the love, love the law of liberty. Uh, I believe here that Love is the law of liberty. And when we when we live in love, we live in freedom, glory to God. When we live in love, we live in freedom. <clears throat> so here in James chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, speak and act consistently as people who are going to be judged by the law of liberty. So there it is, the law of liberty. It's the law of freedom. And it goes on to say in Amplified, the moral law that frees obedient Christians from the bondage of sin. So again, this law, I believe, liberates us. This law em emancipates us. Uh, it, it breaks the shackles off of our lives. It unties us. And so as we walk in the law of, of liberty, uh, the natural mind may think that we're walking in bondage. But uh, in reality, we're walking in supernatural freedom because this is a supernatural love, a God's love. And so uh, as, we, as we live and as we walk on the earth, we need to live with a consciousness that will be judged here by the law of liberty, or we can say the law of love. And I talked about the, it's like being in uh, the courtroom of love. And so love is the judge. 
Love is evaluating our actions. Love is evaluating our words. Are we saying things in love? Are we acting in love? And so we're being judged by the law of liberty. And the Bible says God is love and he is our judge. And so we're being judged by the law of love. Do we treat humanity the way God called us to treat humanity? Uh, humanity needs to know the love of God. They need to know the power of God. And as we're motivated in God's love, we can extend his love toward others and extend his power toward others and bring glory and honor to his name. Hallelujah. Now go with me further. Uh, we talked about this, uh, Psalm uh, 18 and verse 1 in the Amplified Bible. As we continue to work on our love relationship with God, Psalm 18 and verse 1. And the Amplified, uh, the point I want to bring out here is that we can express our love to Father God in song uh, or in melody. Here in uh, Psalm uh, 18 and verse 1, Amplified, it says, I love you fervently and devotedly, O Lord, my strength. And then it goes on in verse 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and the one who rescues me, my God and my rock and strength in whom I trust and take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my stronghold. Hallelujah. The New Living Translation says it like this in verse one. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, verse two, my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. So I encourage you to express your love to God in song, in melody. The Bible says, I believe in Colossians, uh, singing and making melody with our hearts toward God. So we can express our love to him in song. We can sing to him. We can sing our love to him, express our love to him, sing a melody to him. Lord, I love you. And there's songs, Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord, today. You care for me in such a special way. Yes, I'll praise you. I'll lift you up. I'll magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. So songs like that, and even your own spontaneous songs of the Spirit, just worshiping him and, and loving on him and just tell him how much you love him and how much you thank him, how much you appreciate him. <clears throat> just expressing your love to God is, is a way we can grow in our love toward the Lord. Just in the morning, just starting your day with just singing a love song to him and letting him know that you love him with all of your heart. Now it goes me to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse three, Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse three, hallelujah, Jeremiah 31 and verse three. And uh, the point I wanna bring out here is that the Father's uh, everlasting love draws us to him. The Father's everlasting love draws us to him, hallelujah. In Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, it says, The Lord appeared to me, Israel, from ages past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you and, con and continue my faithfulness to you. And so again, the Father's everlasting love draws us and uh, attracts us to him. And so this, this everlasting love, it's, it's an eternal love. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. This is a, an indes, indes, uh, indestructible love. It's a, it's a relentless love. 
I've loved you with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness, I've drawn you and I can and continue my faithfulness to you. The message Bible like this says, God told them, I'll never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Hallelujah. So it's an everlasting love. It's a, it's a never-ending love that the Father has for us. Hallelujah. And that draws us to him. That, that, that appeals our hearts, turns our hearts toward him. He loves us with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. And then uh, in Hosea, Hosea chapter uh, 3 and verse 1, here's a sub point, is that the Father God consistent, persistently loves us even if we've been unfaithful in our love to him. He, he, uh, he loves us persistently, even if we've been unfaithful in our love to him. Here in Hosea, uh, the New Living Translation, starting in verse one, it says, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So this is an illustration. Uh, Hosea uh, was called to uh, to go and love this woman who had committed adultery with another lover, and it's showing how the Father God persistently loves us, even when we've been unfaithful on our end and our love toward Him. And so here in the Message Bible, like this, it says, uh, "Then God ordered me start all over." Love your wife again, your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people, even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. And so even though they're flirting around with every God, God is still showing his love toward us. So we thank God for, for his love toward us, his amazing love that he has toward us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and uh, we're going to look at verse 43. Uh, Matthew 5 and Amplified, verse 43. Uh, the point reminding you here is that God's love is, is revolutionary. It's revolutionary to the ungodly mind. It goes against the normal. God's love is revolutionary to the ungodly mind. It goes against the normal. Here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, it says, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor, fellow man, and hate your enemy. Verse 44, But I say to you, this is Jesus said, I say to you, love, that is unselfishly, seek the best or higher good for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, so that you may show yourselves to be children of your father who's in heaven, for he makes his son to, to arise on those who are evil and those who are good, and he makes the rain to fall on the righteous, those who are morally upright, and the unrighteous, the unrepentant, those who oppose him. Verse 46, for if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? For do not even the tax collectors do that. In verse 47, and if you greet only your brothers, wishing them God's blessing and peace, what more than others are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles who do not know the Lord do that? In verse 48, you therefore will be perfect, growing in spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, 
actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly father is perfect. And so here, God's love is revolutionary. It's, it's disruptive. He says, you've heard it said, uh, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I'm saying to you, uh, love your enemy. Unselfishly, unselfishly seek the best or higher good. Remember I said this agape is, is a goodwill toward mankind. He says, uh, uh, seek the best, the highest good for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So this, this love is disruptive. It's, uh, it's unprecedented. It's, it's, uh, it's groundbreaking to the ungodly man, ungodly mind. It goes against the norm. And so Jesus is bringing a reformation. You've heard it said many, many years, hundreds of years to love your neighbor and hate your enemies. He's bringing a reformation to that. Uh, we can call it the, uh, the law of, of, re of retaliation, the law of revenge. He's bringing a reformation to that. And uh, uh, that law originally was to protect the offender from being punished harder than the offense that they committed. But he's saying, uh, let's go a step further. Love your enemies. Don't hate your enemies, but love your enemies and pray for them. Pray for their good. Those who persecute you, pray for them. And, uh, and he, he challenges us here in verse 48 because he wants us to grow into spiritual maturity. So this love, as we exercise our, our love muscles, God's love muscles on the inside of us, loving those and pushing back uh, as, well as, as well as everything that's within us, the Bible says, with as much as within you live with peace, live peaceably with all men, as much as you can on your end to live in peace with, with all others. So as we're exercising our love muscles, uh, showing love to those who hate us and those who persecute us, those who talk about us, those who want to derail us, uh, extending that love as we exercise our love muscles is saying that we will grow into spiritual maturity, verse 48, integrating godly values into our daily lives, hallelujah. So it is a challenge, but as we uh, grow our muscles uh, through those through those hard uh, areas of loving those who are our enemies, those who don't love us, we'll grow and we'll continue to mature and we'll walk in the God kind of love. Jesus uh, illustrated, he, he said, um, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Hallelujah. Let's go a little further here uh, with me to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 in the Amplified Bible. The point I want to bring out here is that uh, the evidence of our love is shown in whom we serve. The evidence of our love is shown in whom we serve or who we work for. So here in uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 in the Amplified for me, it passes, it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. So the evidence of our love is shown in whom we serve, who we're working for, who we carrying out the wishes of. Who are we in service to? Here it says, no one can serve two masters, God and mammon, which is, uh, which is money, possessions, fame, status, all those things that said in the Amplified Bible. 
uh, 1 uh, Timothy 6 and 10 says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And so the issue is who we love the most is the one who will master us. So it says no one can serve two masters. So the one that we love the most is the one that's going to rule over us, the one that's going to manage us, the one that's going to govern us. So uh, again, the evidence of our love is shown in who, whom we serve, whether it's God or mammon and all these other facets of mammon, money, status, all those things. Who are we serving to? Who are we submitted to? Who are we yielding to? He said, you can't serve two masters. Somebody's going to master you. God or money are the two major uh, masters. God or money, two major masters that people uh, uh, having to choose to yield to, to, which one to yield to. So evidence of our love is shown in whom we obey, whom we work for. Hallelujah. Now go with me to um, Matthew. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 24 and uh, verse 11. Matthew 24 and verse 11 to amplify it. Uh, here it says, uh, the point I want to bring out here is that because sin runs rampant, the love of many will get cold toward God and, uh, and toward one another. Uh, again, because the love, because sin runs rampant, and that's what we're seeing in the world today, the love of many will get cold towards one another and even towards God instead of staying on fire. So here in Matthew 24 and Amplified verse 11, it says many false prophets will appear and mislead many. In verse 12, because lawlessness has increased, the love of most people will grow cold. So as, as uh, lawlessness continues to increase, we see senseless murders, senseless crimes, even on school campuses and, uh, and in public areas, uh, people driving and killing people, all kinds of, of lawlessness that's, that's increased. It says the love of most people will grow cold. And in verse 13, but the one who endures and bears up under suffering to the end will be saved. So we've got to protect our heart. We've got to protect our love. We can become callous with all the things uh, that's going on in the world, all the, uh, the disrespect and uh, the dishonor and uh, 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 the, the damage that's being done toward humanity. Uh, our hearts can become cold because lawlessness uh, is, uh, is on the rise. Crime is on the rise. Uh, sin is running rampant. And so we've got to guard our heart and protect our heart against love in a, uh, in, we could say in a, in a, in a godless world, we have to protect our heart in, in a godless world. Hallelujah. We've got to protect our heart. And um, let me go to uh, probably one more here, uh, Luke chapter 7. And uh, we'll start at verse 40. So again, we've got to protect our heart. We've got to protect the love of God in our heart against all the things, all the craziness that's going on in the world. We've got to on purpose keep our love turned on. Our love can get cold and we can become callous toward people. All the things that's been done, even toward us, and we can just become callous and hard and harsh toward people. But Jesus, with all the things that he saw, and he had a full revelation, he still walked in love toward humanity. Uh, even, uh, even in his closest disciples, uh, 
of those uh, the twelve that was with him and, and you know being um, uh, being betrayed, he still walked in love. He kept his heart uh, warm toward God's love. He kept on fire with his love, and so he didn't let his heart grow cold. So we've got to protect our heart and keep our heart in, in the right place of love toward God. Hallelujah. And I think one of the things that will help us is here in Luke chapter 7 <clears throat> uh, is that we, we can love, and here's the point, we can love out of, uh, out, of, out of a profound awareness of being forgiven. We love deeply out of a profound awareness of being forgiven. Again, we love deeply out of a profound awareness of being forgiven. Here in Luke chapter 7, in the New Living Translation, starting at verse 40, uh, and this going to read some excerpts here. In verse 40, uh, New Living Translation, then Jesus answered uh, his thoughts, said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon, uh, this Pharisee replied. Uh, verse 41, then Jesus told him this story. Uh, a man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another. Verse 42, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Verse 43, Simon answered, I suppose the one to whom, for whom he canceled a larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. He says, and skip down to verse 46, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she, this woman who was uh, called a sinner uh, woman, I think up in verse 40, 40 I believe it is, uh, she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Verse 47, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but the person who's, who's is forgiven little shows only a little love. Hallelujah. And so again, we've got to have this profound awareness, this profound awareness of, of God's love toward us, uh, this profound uh, awareness um, that um, we have been forgiven. Out of this profound awareness of, of being forgiven, then that ignites our love for God, if you will. This profound awareness of his forgiveness, of his great mercy toward us. Uh, this, this sinner woman in this passage realized her sinful state. Uh, this Pharisee here in verse 40 uh, wasn't fully aware of the sinful state that he was in. But uh, this sinner woman, I believe it's back in verse 38, she's called the, 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 the sinner woman of this city, had this, this profound awareness, this, this wholehearted, you could say just a penetrating awareness of, of her forgiveness that came through Jesus. And so out of that, she takes this costly oil and she expresses her love to Jesus. And she's washing, uh, anointing, anointing his head and, and washing his feet with this with this costly perfume. Out of this deep awareness that I've been forgiven so much, she realized sin after sin, act after act, sinful act after sinful act that she has committed. 
and have that deep recognition of her sinful state and then, a, and then that deep recognition of being forgiven because she came in contact with Jesus, the Savior, the Rescuer, the Forgiver. And now uh, her condition has, has totally been changed. Her situation has been changed. Her status has been changed. Out of that transformation that's, uh, of, of being forgiven, she expresses this deep love for God. And so one of the motivations for our love for God is, 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 is being uh, aware that he has forgiven me, recognizing that without him, that, that apart from him, I'm in a low, sinful state. Uh, in Psalm, we talk about it, I was in a miry clay. I was in this, this, this. Uh, I was stuck in this, in this clay, and in, in, uh, in this low status, in, in this mud, like a pig, and in, in, uh, in, uh, in the, in the, wallowing in mud. I'm like a, a pig apart from Jesus. But when I came to Him, Hallelujah, He cleaned me up. And the song says, He cleaned me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. And so out of that, I love him. And out of that, I can reach out and show his love toward others because I've been forgiven. And so I can walk in forgiveness toward others and I can walk in God's love toward others. He's changed my life around. So she loves so much out of an awareness of, of the love and the mercy of the Lord. She had, this woman had a great love out of, out of deep awareness of his love and, and his mercy toward us. So thank God for his mercy toward us. The Bible says uh, every, every morning we, we have fresh mercies. He loves us again and again. Uh, even though we didn't get things quite right uh, the day before. Maybe we said something we shouldn't have said or did something we shouldn't have done. And yet he's just pouring out his forgiveness on us. He's showering us. He's raining down forgiveness upon us, forgiving us and forgiving us. Uh, Jesus talked about forgiving 70 times seven in one day. Just imagine how many times God continues to forgive us. And, and he trains us as his children to extend that forgiveness toward others, continue to walk in forgiveness and to walk in love toward humanity and show his love uh, toward a needy uh, humanity in, in a dark world where his love is so needed, where there's so much hatred, there's so much division, political ram and in education ram and all the different areas, family, uh, we talk about their parents against children and vice versa. So much love is needed. But if we can become aware, like this woman did, he forgave me and what the, the, all the oil I have, the, all the perfume I have is not enough to express my love toward him. And, and we show our love toward him as we express our love toward humanity. And so I have a deep, profound, a profound, intense love and awareness of our forgiveness. We express that love toward God and toward his people to bring glory and honor to him. We show mercy to others and we shall receive mercy. So we thank you, God. And so let's just close out here. Father, we just thank you uh, for your mercy toward us. Thank you for your loving kindness. You continue to rain down your love, your mercy toward us. You continue to forgive us over and over again. May we not lose sight. May we not lose touch of the love that you have given toward us and uh, the forgiveness that you've given toward us. May we extend that love toward others and may others become aware with a, a deep sense of awareness of your love toward them, of your mercy toward them, 
of your forgiveness toward them. Help us to be living examples of your love and living examples of what forgiveness looks like, what being forgiven looks like as we pour our love toward you, toward you, and as we extend our love toward humanity. Holy Spirit, continue to train us and develop us in our love walk so we can love God properly and walk in love toward man. And thank you in advance for all that you're going to continue to develop in, in us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. We thank you again for your, your time and your attention uh, to the word. And we pray that God has used uh, the word to continue to, uh, to help us and to motivate us and to train us and develop us uh, in this area. And, and out of love, all the other things can flow. The gifts of the spirit are, are best uh, manifested through love. So all these things are connected to love. So uh, love is one of the primary areas that we want to continue to walk in and uh, represent the kingdom of heaven here on the earth.